Today we're going to be continuing in the book of Nehemiah. You know, we've been walking through Nehemiah this summer, and we're going to, today we're going to do a little Bible hopscotch. We're going to be looking at about four or five different individual passages within Nehemiah uh, chapters 2, 3, and 4. So we're going to be looking at Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verses 9 through 10, then Nehemiah 3, verse 5, and then Nehemiah 4, 1 through 5. And you're going to see why we're going to look at these individual verses kind of out of the greater context in just a moment. So I invite you to uh, follow along or, or listen uh, for God's word as we read this morning. Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent officers of the army and cavalry with me. But when Sanibalat the Horite and Tori, to, Tobiah the Amorite official heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the Israelites. And then to moving to chapter 3, next to them was next to them the Teleconites made repairs, but their nobles would not put their shoulder into the work of the Lord. Then chapter 4. Now when Sanibalite heard that they were building the wall, he was angry and great, greatly enraged, and he mocked the Jews. He said in the presence of his associates, the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Were they restored by themselves? Will they offer sacrifice? Will they finish it in a day? Will they receive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish, buried, burned once at that? Tobiah the Amorite was beside him, and he said, That stone wall they are building, any fox going up on it would break it down. Hear, O our God, for we are despised. They taunt their back and their own heads, and give them over as plunder in the land of captivity. Do not cover their guilt, and do not let their sin be blotted for out of your sight, for they have raged against the builders. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> of course, most of y'all either know of or have one of these little devices right here. You know, one of these, 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 an iPhone or an Android or something like that. I don't know if y'all saw recently, Apple is stopping uh, the production of iPods. Now, you know, iPods were the first, you know, kind of portable mu digital musical device. Of course, we know it's not the first, we know it's not the first portable musical device device because many of us in this room, we owned Walkmans. So we were cool. You know, we, we, we really were very cool. We found, we found our old, my old Walkman a few years back. But uh, Apple has stopped, is stopping making uh, the iPods, and now everything is just going to be iPhones and things such as that. But you may remember, you may remember how these first iPods, you could put the music on them, had the little wheel, and the first ones were, were, were kind of big and clunky, and they got smaller ones, and they got bigger ones, they had different colors, all kind of stuff. But there was one, there's one iPod that I, I liked back in the day that I really liked a lot. It was, um, some of you may remember, uh, I think it was called the Nano. It was, it, it looked, um, it was about yay tall and about yay thick. It was, I liked it because you could put it in your pocket, you could run with it. And back a long time ago, long time ago in a galaxy far away, uh, I used to run. Uh, thankfully, the Lord cured me of that, and I don't do that anymore. Um, but I used to run. This was when I was out in Philadelphia. I, I ran a lot out there. And, um, and I, would, I would run about three miles a day or so. And, um, and there was this one, if you were ever a runner or even a walker, you know, the bane of the walker or runner's existence are hills. Hills are the worst. I, I believe that when God created the world, everything was flat. And then when creation fell, God made a bunch of hills to put them for runners and walkers because there's nothing worse than walking up a hill or particularly running up a hill. It's, it's just awful. So there was, right as I was running, the, the parsonage out Philadelphia was kind of 
up off a hill, not really on a hill per se, but basically when you're running, you're going up a hill to finish out the run. And it was awful. And you know, you're running and running's terrible. I don't know why we do it to ourselves. It's an awful experience. I'm running and I'm sweating and there's sweat and there's snot and it's just disgusting. It's just awful. It's terrible. And so I'm just, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get this stupid thing over and go home and rest because I hate it. And I kept doing it to myself. But you're all, you're tired and you want to finish. And then you get that stupid hill right before you finish. And this is why I liked that Nano because it, it was, it, like I so said, it was about yay tall. And if you held the middle button down, you could program in a certain song to play when you needed motivation. You know, kind of, so you're like Rocky with Eye of the Tiger, you know, as you're running up the stairs, you know, you, and I love the fact that I had this one song that I loved a lot that I would always, as I was going up the hill, I would hold the button down and that, that last song would kind of give me the oomph to kind of finish out the run and go want to die, you know, it just, but, I, but I'd finish it out, you know, I, I did it, the song gave me the motivation and I made it and I was done and I'd have to do it again until tomorrow, you know, I loved how handy it was to be able to hit that one button, to have almost like Instant motivation, you know, that instant adrenaline rush of motivation that I needed uh, to finish out uh, the run. That was, that was always a cool little thing that I haven't really been able to find much beyond that. Just that one, hold that one button down. You got that instant shot of motivation. There's times when we need motivation. And the reason why you, need, you don't need motivation when things are easy, do you? Nah, that's not we need motivation. You need motivation when things are hard. You need motivation when you face opposition. And see, that, that's, that's what we're reading today. We've been in Nehemiah. And thus far, Nehemiah has been a pretty optimistic and, and, and uplifting and fun story. There's Nehemiah. He's in Babylon. He feels called by God to go and, and to rebuild the wall. And so he goes to, he goes to rebuild the wall. And, and Cyrus is like, yeah, man. Xerxes, I mean, Xerxes, rather. Xerxes is like, yeah, man, go do it. I got your back. Go on. Here's a letter. You got this. He gets over there. And everybody's like, yeah, we're going to rebuild the wall. It's going to be fun. And, and it's hard, you know, but it's challenging. You know, remember we talked about how he had to get off his horse and walk around because the wall was so bad? Like, it wasn't easy. But thus far, up until this point, everything's been pretty good. You know, he got this call from God. He felt this fire from God to do this thing. He's going to do, he's going to rebuild the wall. He's going to help his people. It's going to be great. He felt that. He knew he, he knew he felt called by God to do that. He, God gave him the tools that he needed to do it. Yes, here, take these letters. These letters will provide you the timber to rebuild. Tell my army to let you through. Like he, he got everything he needed. And now he was going to rebuild the wall. But today, we see him face opposition. We see in our text today that being, being faithful and doing what God wants us to do not always easy. And in fact, we read the Bible, 
what we're going to find more often than not is that doing what God wants us to do, to do. rebuilding the wall, being, faith, being faithful. More likely than not, it's going to be kind of hard. And we're going to face opposition. I think life has made us, um, at least it has me, very impatient. I'm impatient. I don't like being stuck behind slow folks in traffic. I sit there and stare at the microwave as if it will make the popcorn pop faster. I hit the elevator button repeatedly as if that's going to make the elevator come down faster. And that doesn't work, does it? We don't have patience. And because we don't have patience, we don't like the journey, do we, sometimes? We want to get to the destination. We want to, we want to get it done. So what we want, if, we, if I'm Nehemiah, what I want, what I want is I want to leave Babylon with my fancy letter and get to Jerusalem on a Tuesday and by Sunday have the wall built. That's what, that's what Andy wants. I want this wall to be built like that. But that's not the way it works. What Andy wants is for everything to be back to pre-COVID, if not right now, then yesterday. And I don't like that it takes time. I don't have the patience for that. I don't like it. But y'all, if we read the Bible, one of the things that God promises us is that we're going to have trials. We're going to have troubles. And in fact, we're going to face opposition at times. In fact, sometimes we wire our brains. We're like, if it's hard, has God really called me to it? You know, this is a challenge. Maybe God's not called me to this because it's hard. Maybe this is something that is difficult and folks are not going with me and it's a challenge. So God has not called me to this because it's not easy. We have, we have almost in our minds made it seem as though if we face opposition or we face troubles or we face trials, then we talk ourselves out of doing what God wants us to do because, yes, it is hard. It is. Y'all, being faithful is hard. It is hard to be faithful. Read the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who suffer. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We see sometimes in the Gospels that God's greatest promise to us is that, guys, it's going to be hard at times. It's going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge. We're going to face opposition. And I don't like that. I want my popcorn to pop fast, my bed to be soft, and my car to get really good gas mileage. I don't want troubles. And who, who amongst us does? You know, we want it to go well. But when we read the Bible, we see that oftentimes in Scripture that being faithful to God will face opposition and hardship and challenges. I remember one time I was fussing at God about something. I believe God's a big God who can handle our fussing. 
And I was fussing about God about something I just didn't want to do. <laughs> he, he called me to do something. I just didn't want to do it. I'm like, I, God, I don't want to do this. I do not want to do this. This is going to be hard, and I don't want to do it. I like where I am now. I like how things are now. I don't want to do this. And I heard him tell me, Andy, where in the Bible do I call people to things that are easy? You think it was easy for Abram to leave behind all that he had in Ur and to go to the land that I will show you? You think it was easy for Paul to turn his back on the Pharisees and follow after this Jesus fella? You think it was easy for Peter and James and Andrew and John to leave behind their father's nets to follow Jesus? No, it's never. Doing what God wants us to do, rebuilding the wall, being faithful, is never going to be easy. It's going to always have challenges. It's going to always face opposition. It's going to always be hard. And y'all, if we have made ourselves believe that following God is nothing but a gilded Pimrose path, we'll never follow God because it's going to always have challenges. If you believe that being faithful to God will be a life with no challenges and no hurt and no struggles and no opposition, then you will never truly follow Jesus because you're going to face all those things. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face trials. You're going to face struggles. You're going to face worries. You're going to face doubt. You're going to face difficult times. That's life. So we need to understand that today we have no doubt. We have no doubt that Nehemiah is called by God to do this task. And why do we look at these passages? Because what did we see? We saw that he faced opposition. And some folks are like, nope, we're not doing this. And I think sometimes the opposition we face to rebuilding the wall, the opposition we face to rebuilding our church, the opposition we face to being faithful in service to God, the opposition we face in growing our church, the opposition we face, face sometimes, I think comes from two major areas. One is what I call internal opposition. That's stuff inside of me. And external opposition. That's stuff outside of me. So what all, and we, we see the internal opposition where some, the, the, the passage in chapter 3, that, that greater passage shows all of the Israelites, all the Jews working, except this one group. They don't, they don't do it. They don't put their shoulders into it. They aren't truly working. That's internal. That's not their enemies. That's within the camp. That's internal. We face internal opposition. So what do we mean? What do I mean by facing internal opposition to rebuilding the wall? What do I mean by internal opposition to being faithful? What do I mean by internal opposition? Well, frankly, all the same reason I don't want to go jogging in the morning. I'm comfortable. I want to get out of my bed. I like my bed. My bed's awesome. Got the fan going, the lacy in there, my blankets. It's nice. My bed's pretty sweet, y'all. I like it. He's got two stupid dogs on top of me, but I ain't going to do about that. I like my bed. So why would I get out of my bed and go run with the snot and the sweat we talked about earlier? Why would I do that? Just stay in your bed. Your bed's comfortable. It's nice. Sweet. I mean, yeah, I know I need to be faithful in worship. I know it. But we got this internet stuff, y'all. I can sit here in my pajamas with my coffee. I can mute Andy 
can just listen to the choir and turn off that dumb sermon. It's great. Now, yeah, I know I'll go to church and I see my people that I love. And I feel their support. And I'm no longer isolated. But I'm comfortable. I like it here. Sometimes our greatest internal opposition to being faithful is our own comfort. I don't want to tithe. I like my money. I don't want to serve. I like my time. I don't. I, I, I got a sweet deal, y'all. I've accepted Jesus. I'm going to heaven. What more do I have to do? Right? It's pretty comfortable. I like this deal. But when we read the scriptures, we see that the God who calls us into salvation doesn't stop at our conversion. And what we do is we shortchange our faith and we shortchange our life. I love what C.S. Lewis says when he says we are like ignorant children making mud pies in the, in, the, in the water because we cannot imagine what a vacation at the beach looks like. We are far too easily pleased. We settle for the temporary comfort of this moment instead of experiencing the eternal joy from God. Because let's think about how comfortable we are, but then compare that to the time in your life when you truly felt the power of God. There, every one of us here, every one of us in this room has at some point in our life felt the power and presence of God. What compares to that? Nothing. So our comfort is a, temporary, is a false God. It's a temporary God that whispers to us, that says, don't try, don't move, stay here. When God's offering us something so much better, something so much better than our comfort. And yes, leaving our comfort can be scary. Yes, leaving our comfort can be hard. Yes, leaving our comfort can be a challenge. But God is offering us something so much better if we'll just move into it. So sometimes the internal opposition we face is our comfort. Sometimes it's our inadequacy. That, that's one of the main things I see as a preacher. When I ask folks to teach or lead, they don't feel adequate. Hello, I get that. I told you a couple weeks back, I got imposter syndrome. I expect every Monday to come to church and find my key not to work. And y'all will send me back to Bogachitta. Just a matter of time. I'm marking time. It's going to happen. We all feel inadequate. I feel inadequate. It's part of the lies the devil whispers to us. It's part of our frailty and our human condition. You're gonna, you will always feel inadequate to do the things God's calling you to do. You will, particularly if you're truly, truly trying to seek him. In fact, if you think to yourself, I got this, man. Thank you finally, Andy, for giving me power. That's a little scary. <laughs> it's like one of our professors used to always say, anyone who desires to be a bishop should be automatically disqualified. You know, if you're desiring power, that's not good. But if you feel inadequate, that's just the lies of the devil telling you you can't do it. God does not call the equipped. He equips the called. The inadequacy you feel, that's not of God. But that internal opposition keeps us from being faithful sometimes because we feel as though we can't do it. Well, yeah, on our own strength, we can't do it. But we don't do this by our strength. We do it by God's strength. So, we, so some of our internal opposition is comfort. Some of it's inadequacy. Some of it's guilt. Guilt. 
A lot of times we don't feel like we can do the stuff God called us to do because look at the stuff I've done in the past. Look at what I've done. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my failures. Look at, look at my track record. I can't do this. There's no way. There's no way God can use me. There's no way God can use me. Look at, look at all the stuff that I've done. There's no way God can use me. Well, that's not the case. Because, yes, you are awesome. And you are special and pretty and handsome. But you're not the one whose sins God cannot forgive. He died for the sins of the world. That's my sins. That's your sins. That's anyone who will confess their sins. Your sins are not unforgivable. You have not gone too far and you have not done too much. In a minute, we're going to do communion and we're going to confess our sins. At the end of the communion prayer, a confession of sin, I'm going to say to you, not that I'm doing this, but I'm repeating back to you what the Bible says, you're going to be forgiven. Today, you're going to get a chance to confess your sins and receive forgiveness. Our guilt is an internal opposition we face sometimes. But it's not valid, y'all. So our internal opposition, sometimes it's comfort. Sometimes it's inadequacy. Sometimes it's guilt. Our external, our external opposition is, well, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to think about me? We face the external opposition of others' thoughts, others' opinions, others', others', others' pushback. I like what my mom used to always tell me. What someone thinks of you is none of your business. Don't, don't get so caught up in others' opinions of you that you miss the power to be faithful to God. Someone's going to, y'all, I tell my staff this. At any time in church, a third of the church always wants you fired. That's reality. You know, that, like, people aren't going to always like you. I used to, I need you to like me so very much. I really need you to like me. And that's a cage that I put myself in. Because sometimes I'll put your approval over my faithfulness to God. We can't do that, y'all. I struggle with that every day. We can't do that. You can't concern yourself with their thoughts. You have to concern yourself with your faithfulness to God. Because when you, when you allow their thoughts to stop you from being faithful, then... You've made them your God in many ways. So we face external opposition from the thoughts and pushback of others. We, th- we face external opposition when we look around the church and we say, well, they're not there, so we can't do this. Yes, we can, y'all. If we're called by God to do something, we can do it. I don't care. I don't g- look, look, look at Nehemiah and what he does. Look at Gideon. Look at the people that God uses and God empowers them. And so that God receives the glory. We're not doing this. We're not rebuilding our church or rebuilding the wall of this church so that we get the glory. We're doing it so that God gets the glory. So it doesn't matter who's here or who's not here. It matters, are we there? Because if we say we can't do this because of X, then what we're saying is they're the reason why we do it. If that's not the case, God's the reason why we do it. We do it by his strength, by his power, by his might. So we face the external opposition of what they think. We we face the external opposition of them not being here. We face the external opposition that uh, we live in a world, sometimes it is a challenge to be a Christian. 
We live in a world where sometimes folks do get mad at Christians. We live in a world where sometimes our values and our morals may seem out of step. And Jesus told us that would happen. (laughs) He told us that would happen. He said, they hate me, they'll hate you also. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised when the stuff that Jesus told us happens, happens. He told us that. And if we're living our life based off their approval, then we'll never be faithful to God. That's external opposition. Yeah. Folks aren't going to always like what Christians do or say or act or live. They, they aren't. They aren't. Be ready for it and love them anyway. Because the only thing that's going to change their minds and their hearts, you will never judge someone to Christ. You will never shame someone to Christ. But you can love them to Christ. Yeah, we're going to face opposition. We are. And we've got to love them anyway because Jesus does. So, rebuilding the wall, rebuilding our church, leading, serving, giving, caring, it's not going to be easy. I'm not going to promise you a rose garden. Being faithful to worship is not always easy. You've heard the story about the man woke up one Sunday. His wife said, get up, honey, it's time to go to church. He's like, I don't want to go. She's like, you need to go. He's like, I don't want to go. I don't like any of them. So like, that doesn't matter. You need to go anyway. So I don't want to go. They're going to talk bad about me. She said, I, that doesn't matter. You need to go anyway. He, 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 said, he, said, he said, give me one reason why I got to go. He said, well, you're the preacher. Being faithful to God is not always easy, y'all. I wish I could promise you that being faithful is easy. But in fact, I'll promise you the exact opposite. It's not easy. It's not easy. You will face opposition. It will be hard. It will be challenging. But what I'm promising you is this, that being faithful to God is so much better and more life-giving than anything else you'll ever do. We are far too easily pleased. We settle with our comfort. We settle with our inadequacies. We're afraid of their opposition. So we live lives cowered up, never truly living. God wants to do something glorious in our church. He wants to do something glorious in our lives. It's going to be hard. but it's going to be worth it. Will you be part of what we're doing here even if we face opposition? From within, from without, will we be faithful? Let's pray.